0: This is Pixelated Audio, episode 91, featuring Yurekun on the MSX2. All right, and welcome back to the bi weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast, Pixelated Audio. I'm your host, Brian, and today, James is actually sick. So I'm your host, Gene. Filling (laughs) in for James. (laughs) Yeah, um, I was sick last week, and James is like dog tired, sick this week. We thought, you know, hey, Uh, maybe Gene could tag in for him this week, and uh, he's been on. Gene's been on two different episodes now. That's right, yeah. So uh, it works out. You know our format. You know our flow, and uh, no, I'm I'm excited.
1: Well, I'm not sick, but with the wildfires, man, it's been bad. I I don't sound great, and I know that's a big part of it right now. Yeah. So to give you a little context here, we're
0: you know we're in California, and there is a huge fire going on it's awful up north and so it's all blowing down into the bay area and
1: we're just getting it um yeah i feel so sorry for the people up in napa county and in the north bay it's just been it's uh, it's it's been a mess yeah Yeah.
0: but anyways um today we are going to be talking about a game called yurekun and it's for the msx2 This is a a title that, you know, James and I were talking about actually um, doing this at some point. It's a very simple kind of game. It's just a lot of fun. And we thought, you know, uh, maybe we could do kind of a mini show. So I think it's going
1: to work out well for today. Yeah, actually, I came into this one a little bit late. It was interesting. Uh, I was over here hanging out, playing games a little bit with Brian. And it was like, it was just a very immediately appealing game. It had nice colors. And even though the soundtrack's fairly simple, it's very pleasant melodies. And I really enjoyed it. And... Uh, I made it all the way through the second level on my first try, and that's where things started to get tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah,
0: we James and I decided to kind of do an episode on this at some point. We, we asked Gene to come on, and we're like, hey, what do you want to do? Like, do you have any topic in mind? And uh, I kind of pitched this idea to you. And at first you were kind of like, well, why don't we look at some other options? But after playing and I think after listening, you kind of it, – it's catchy. It's, it's really catchy.
1: It really is, yeah. I mean, the – We'll talk about it more, but there's you know the themes are established pretty early on in the soundtrack right from that title, and it kind of goes throughout the uh, the entire soundtrack.
0: Yeah, but
1: the uh, the
0: PSG it is a lot more simple. You know, you know it's not as robust as you know an OPNA or OPL even. Uh, even the NES yeah. sound hardware, you know, it's it's very simple. It's three tones. It's the YM2149, which is three voices of PSG. And then uh, that's the same chip as the AY38910. Uh, with some minor differences. But that track that we came in with, that was the title demo, the title screen. Uh, as, you know, it's kind of going through these, um, I guess, this little intro thing. It shows you how to use the controls. It kind of explains your, your gauges and stuff like that. And uh, it's a...
1: It's a catchy little. I think it sets the mood real well. Oh, totally. Yeah, it it leads really well into the first track. Which do you want to get into that? Well, uh, or it's a little too soon. A little too soon. Why don't we? Why do we? <laughs> <laughs> Jumping the gun. Gene? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. but
0: but you know, like I, I think the the title screen is perfect because it's like this little demo. This track's only twenty six seconds or something like that, and really that's all you need because they're doing this kind of a track mode. Uh, you know, explaining the game a little bit and showing you know different levels and stuff, and I think it's it's a nice little kind of tight uh, track that uh, delivers the point. Oh, totally. Yeah. So Yudekun is a side-scrolling action game, almost like a free-roaming shooter in a sense, that was released for the MSX2 and higher compatible machines in 1989, both published and developed by System Sacom, and System Sacom is. Maybe not so well known. Actually, probably not well known at all here in the states.
1: But we have talked about them on the show before. Yeah, I think the only game they'd be known for here is Smart Ball on the Super Nintendo. I think it was one of the few games that actually came out here
0: for what system?
1: Uh, Super Nintendo.
0: Oh, so okay, okay, okay yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was also called Jerry Boy or Jelly Boy, but the U.S. Right. title was Smart Ball. Right. It did have good music, but it was a sort of it. It had a pretty interesting premise. You control a a ball that can change shape and density, like mm-hmm. it can become heavier or softer based on you know, like sort of like a bowling ball or a cloud kind of thing before that sort of physics based gameplay became really popular in, you know, later systems.
0: Huh. Yeah, I guess I have to give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a neat concept. I, I know the name, but yeah. I, I don't even know the music, I don't think. Huh. Anyways, so Systems.com, Japanese game developer and publisher that was founded in nineteen eighty one in Tokyo, a lot of their stuff was just never released outside of jelly ball or uh, <laughs> smart ball smart ball but uh one thing they're kind of well known for is their novelware adventure games and they they basically created this engine that had a major impact on visual novels kind of moving forward into you know uh, the pc 88 the pc 98 and even the sharp x68000 and um i think that a lot of what japanese gamers kind of I guess, became used to is kind of that engine and how the games were presented in that kind of manner.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking through some of the videos of plays, playthroughs through some of their games, and while I was aware of earlier Japanese adventure games and point-and-clicks and and, and text adventures, there's a certain kind of cinematic element to the way these games are. And, you know, if you've played Snatcher or some of the later Japanese games, they feel very strongly influenced by these, at least... Uh, you know, seeing what other people are doing, and like, oh, we should borrow some of those elements. I would even, yeah. I would even go as far as to say, like, police knots and. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah totally. And I mean, I think the first one of these games was nineteen eighty eight, right? Something like that. Uh,
0: nineteen eighty five. They actually did Martian Veil vale one.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: and they actually did the whole series up till nineteen eighty seven. So there was like this this period where they were only doing this, this one series, but then they kind of later branched off into a bunch of different stuff. There's, you know, stuff like, um, man, I'm trying to see if any of these ring a bell. So atomic Robo kid, uh, might be known Gemini wing. I think the version that they did was just a port
1: cause it was on a lot of systems. Oh yeah. It yeah. would have been a port. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I do want to talk about the composer, Manabu Saito. We've talked about him on the show before, but um, I think it's good that we kind of talk about this. Because this game, I think, is a good example of the um, elegance and simplicity that uh, is in his composition style. And uh, there's going to be a lot of really cool tracks that I think uh, we're going to learn a lot more about how he composes music for just three voices. So let's get into another track first. This is from Stage 1 for Yudekun on the MSX2.
1: that was from stage one of yurei kun composed by manabu saito for the msx2 now
0: this is uh this is the first stage so this is where you actually are learning how to play the game and it's very uplifting very upbeat kind of makes you want to smile already they're really setting this game up to be like an adorable like little guy that you want to snuggle with like you know it's like it's I, I don't know. I, I like the, the swing, the the kind of shuffle to it. It's got these really pretty kind of um, almost like vocalized, like harmony and melody tones just kind of together. They're very soft and, and I mean, they do stand out. They're very predominant, but they're, they're almost kind of soft and elegant the same way, very delicate.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of things that for being such a short track, there's a lot of really good elements to it. The beginning part, the A section has a lot of... Um... It uses a combination of delay and note length to give a sort of character. Then you get to the B section, which starts off using harmonies. And then halfway through, they kind of sneak in that melody from the first part. You don't even notice that they drop out a channel. And then there's that tag that brings you back to the beginning. It's a really well-composed track for being like 40 seconds long. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So real
0: quick, let's kind of back up here. Yeah. So we've talked about the sound hardware before for the MSX. If you go back and listen to our Nightmare episode, I'm not sure what that was. That was episode 40, somewhere in there. Um, But we talked about the uh, MSX and different models of the sound hardware. But it was commonly found, the YM2149 that we're hearing today is commonly found in the Amstrad CPC, the ZX Spectrum, and the Atari ST. And there's a ton of arcade games and different pinball machines and just different devices that made use of this chip in the 80s and 90s. It was very, very big and it was cheap. So we saw it in a ton of different things, sometimes paired up or doubled up. And the AY38910, that was in um, really all the MSX1 systems. And then as they kind of progressed, they moved to the YM chip, the YM2149. And that was pretty much in the MSX2s and up, pretty much everything moving forward. They're nearly identical, but they differ slightly in the sense that the AY chip uses four bits for duration and the YM uses five. And this would make tones sound slightly shorter if you were listening to like the same track. And also probably a little bit more harsh. Yeah, it does give it a little bit more
1: granularity, though, so you can control the sound just a little bit better.
0: Again, it's a minimal difference, but I th- if you compare them side by side, I think it's probably pretty noticeable.
1: Yeah, I do think that the tones on the YM2149 are just a little bit cleaner. Just a little bit. But I, I feel that way, too. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it feels that I way. I feel though. that way, too. Yeah, yeah.
1: When I, listen to some, like, when
0: I listen to a lot of demo scene stuff, I typically side with the ym stuff more like listening to it in ym but you know again that's personal preference it's, you know either way it's it's totally fine i think uh, on the ym chip there is also a pin to have the clock speed and uh if you pull the pin up or something it's a- a- identical to the ay chip so th- again it's really just that that kind of duration and tone that makes any difference, I think.
1: Yeah, apparent, uh, according to this, it's pin twenty six. Pin twenty six. What did I say? <laughs> no, you were right. Oh, it, I was it, right. There okay. is a pin. But it's, I'm
0: on a page for it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, why don't we talk about Manabu Saito a little bit? This composer.
1: Yeah. So Manabu Saito came up on episode sixty eight in the five years of EGM rips episode. Oh, right, right, right. That was the Volna track. Uh, yes, and. He was a very early student of piano and apparently something of a child prodigy. He won some awards. He actually went to Vienna to go visit the uh, birth or I guess the <laughs> the home of Beethoven, uh, very much steeped in the classical tradition. And he was in high school when he actually did that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he was very, very dedicated and did... Um, from what I've read about him, he analyzed a lot of classical pieces and had a lot of strong opinions about the various composers, Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, the rest. Right.
0: Yeah, but when he was still in high school, he actually got a part-time job working at System SACOM.
1: Yeah, and it was short, shortly after that that he became their full-time composer. <laughs> right. I mean, he's a
0: high school student. Uh, yeah. You
1: know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you have to be
0: good, right? You have to be good. Um, so this is 1989, this game came out,
1: right? Yeah. Well, he was born in 1970, so that would have made him uh, 18, I guess, at the time. Yes, <laughs> I
0: could do the math, but like, man, I, I, I don't know. It's it just boggles my mind. Uh, you know, what was I doing when I was 18? Probably just being a loser. I mean, yeah, just probably playing video games. Yeah, probably being a dork. <laughs> um, yeah, but he he continued studying, and then he got a part-time job at Systemsatcom, eventually becoming their lead composer, writing for. Tons of different titles, including the first MIDI-compatible PC game in Japan called 38,000 Kiro
1: no Koku, which basically means 300, 380,000 kilometers of emptiness, sort of We're the right. distance between the Earth and the moon, right. so space and... Uh, it's, it's it's a it's yeah. a good soundtrack. It's really good. Yeah, and some of his other well-known
0: stuff uh, Stuff like Providence on the PC 88 chatty also on the PC 88 there was euphoria on the x1 and a few other different ports of that uh, Evolution on the FM towns and then yami no Ketsuzoku for the x68,000 and FM towns Then he also did the uh, port of the sound for xenon Two. Uh, Mega Blast on the X68000. A lot of really good soundtrack, like solid music, if you kind of go through his catalog.
1: Yeah, and this is an interesting one. He co composed the music to Smart Ball, which you might not know the game, but you might recognize somebody else he co composed with, which is Akira Yamauka. Yes. That's a name that might come up for people that like Konami and a lot of his tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, though, you know, and we talked about this before in
0: the show too, Saito actually passed away from kidney failure on October of 1992. He was 22 years old.
1: He died on October 1st. So we're actually not too far off from the the anniversary. Yep. And then uh, his brother, I guess
0: maintains like a website, like a Memorial website for him. But um, there is a lot of information. It's just, it's a shame that we lost somebody that could have gone to produce some pretty
1: incredible stuff that early on. I, I read about him and it really is just so amazing. I mean, he wrote something like ten to twelve soundtracks in that three or four-year period, and I may be getting the translation wrong, but it said that when you know when he passed, he had something like two thousand tracks completed, which is just an incredible amount of music to make in such a short period of time for such a young guy. Yeah, I know. And the website that he mentioned, you have to kind of use the Wayback Machine. It's it's still there, and it's oh the memorial site. Yeah, the I memorial think I site.
0: Saw, I think I saw it on the Wayback Machine. Yeah,
1: but it's just really interesting. Sort of look at his life And it's partially a journaling site For his brother Akira And sort of historical record Of his brother uh, Manabu who passed away of course And just sort of talking about his Accomplishments over the years Right. Yeah it's just too bad I Every every time
0: I, I Hear the name Manabu Saito come up In you know I'm listening to something Or somebody else posts a track By him I always kind of I'm like god damn too yeah. Bad, it's too bad, but we can enjoy his music today, so that's awesome. And let's actually listen to a few more tracks. So, the next track we're going to play is from stage two.
1: Was stage two from Yurei kun composed by Manabu Saito for the MSX2. Absolutely adore this track. It's got
0: this very nice swing kind of bounciness to it, but at the same time, that lead is almost haunting.
1: I, yeah, I was going to say that word, but I wanted to be, I didn't want to be too cheeky about a game about a ghost. <laughs> and, well,
0: I mean, it, it is though. It's got this kind of wispy kind of like, woo kind of <laughs> sound yeah. to it.
1: Just I, this trailing notes yeah. at the end of the phrase just really lingers in a great way. Yeah, but it at the same time, they kind of turn it
0: around, right? Like the sound he 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 brings it up and makes this kind of like eeriness and then switches back into this kind of more playful tone, this playful melody again. And I think that's kind of what draws me to it, because the game Uh, especially during this part of the game you're in this kind of dark cave moving down and uh it feels like you're almost getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and then it explodes again it's, it's happy and and it starts all over I,
1: I like that yeah this is one of two of the scrolling levels which is why the track is a little bit longer uh, right. the scrolling levels are actually quite long i think they're about seven minutes of gameplay so you know the longer tracks help did you time that out i was just you know i was watching through a playthrough of it because i couldn't beat the level <laughs> <laughs> one thing i wanted to say that i really love about this track that i think is probably a hallmark of this whole soundtrack is the use of note duration you know pitch bend and note duration. I think using the sound chip's limitations, you have to have some tricks up your sleeve. So just being very particular about which notes are short and which ones are long, and just even the repetitions between the same melody, I think there's just like some really, really brilliant composition. You know, and that's kind of another thing I want to bring up. So three voices
0: for this PSG, what do you do with the white noise? How do you make a bass tone uh, a harmony and melody and then have your percussion in well there's a lot of swapping right so you get like um like some white noise and you get like a bass line but sometimes you want to th- you want to combine those right so what he does is he'll kind of make this white noise and then like this really kind of simple bass tone that's a lot softer and it creates this sound in your head that the bass and the percussion are playing at the same time when really it's like two separate things so i think it's clever use of
1: of channel manipulation totally i yeah i think you're not gonna hear from most japanese composers that the really crazy tricks that you hear from european developers but it's a really solid track in its own right uh so why
0: don't we get into another track this is from stage three and then we'll talk about the game a little bit
1: All right, that was from Stage 3, composed by Manobu Saito for Yude-kun. What a difference in that bass line. It's so much more high energy and, and kind of aggressive, actually. Yeah, I think this is a
0: really good example of kind of what I was saying earlier about playing the white noise, like immediately having uh, a bass line follow it. So you get like kind of this gallop continuous galloping sound with the bass, but you still have that, that percussion sound in there.
1: Oh, yeah. I think what was really, and a lot of the stuff that I was saying earlier too applies is that there's just this really tasteful use of changing the note lengths and using, you know, rhythms, like there's just tiny bits of triplets, nothing really overstays its welcome. And it's just so, I would say it's almost up there with like the catchiness or memorability of like a Mega Man soundtrack. Like that particular tune just has this really great like yeah. yeah yeah, I can yeah. listen to it over and over and yeah. it's super short yeah you were looking
0: at me like yeah. as that like part was playing where they, they kind of harmonize together to, towards the end of that first that first uh, section and or maybe it's the second section and they uh, they kind of do this like and then like it's almost like a whistle blowing like really kind of obnoxious sound but it's so it's so cool and you kind of looked at me like Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how you do it, Saito-san. Uh, no, it's just a cool track. Uh, I, I totally like this. Level, not so much. But, um, you know, we should probably talk about this game. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we've been kind of a- avoiding it for a second. But no, the game is actually a blast. It's totally fun.
1: Yeah. So the game plays a little bit like Mr. Helly or even possibly... Um fantasy zone it's, right you right sort right. of control a ship that can move in any direction but instead of the levels scrolling uh, the majority of them you can kind of move around freely there's enemies that come off the screen sort of like castlevania style you've got things popping up constantly and it's really random it's fun but sometimes it does work against you and it can be a little frustrating but you do have a life bar it's not like a one hit kill sort of game so uh eventually i think with practice it's a game that's not too hard to beat it it looks like it would be right so instead of,
0: you know, flying a ship around, you control Yudekun, this adorable little Casper-like ghost who is, um, you know, he's kind of just trotting around. He's got this little, like, wisp by him, right? A little spirit yeah. kind of thing that floats. It's, it's weird. So he's a ghost, and he's got this little buddy ghost <laughs> that kind of floats around. And you can use that ghost to um, stun guys. You can kind of shoot him out and stun guys, or, or um, if you hit him enough, you can, you know, kill him or whatever. But his main way of attacking is this this backwards like butt bash. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like kinda. a dash butt bash uh, escape maneuver kind of thing. Right, but
0: he can only do it backwards. So if you're if you're wanting to attack the uh, you know the bad guy in front of you, you actually have to quickly turn around and then use the, the, the backwards button dash to take him out and you can if you hit one guy and he hits multiple guys you get like a higher score it's it's really addictive and it's it's super fun and uh that's why i just i couldn't stop playing i think i did a stream like eight months ago or something and i played it for like three hours or something
1: yeah the mechanics are really simple but they're I think they're pretty clever you have that sort of wisp that you shoot out which is you know kind of like a, an option in R type in a way it kind of goes out a little bit and then comes back that's a that's a good way to describe it yeah you get more of them as you go on through the game you can right. have I think up to three
0: I, I had two at one point and I you know didn't know what to do with them for me. yeah
1: and the butt bash <laughs> I'm just gonna call it that for the for the remainder of the show it, it's a kind of a multi-purpose move you can use it to break blocks which often hold right right hidden rooms sort of you know like you go in and there's like you know bonus yeah, items, power, power power ups yeah. yeah coins which you collect it is a limited use power so if you use it too much you have to wait for it to replenish so you have to kind of balance using the wisps and the butt bash and also like was mentioned you can bounce enemies so you you knock into them backwards and they can go flying across the screen and have like multipliers and stuff. And some bosses, um, that's the way you
0: have to defeat them. You actually have to, they'll, they'll shoot out these little baddies at you and you have to like, butt bash them into the main boss. Yeah. So, um, man, that first boss, Oh, drove me <laughs> absolutely crazy. Why don't we get into another track? And then, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the game. This is from stage four from Yudekun on the MSX.
1: Stage Four from Yurei Kun, composed by Manabu Saito.
0: It's a little bit more of a dark track, a little bit, a little bit heavier. Um, yeah. I I I like this track. It has again, you know, I hate saying cliche, but it has this very haunting uncertainty and and kind of maybe despair or something a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be too deep here, but like it, it yeah. really
1: does have some kind of like desperate kind of sound. I mean, it starts off with those really long notes. Like, I think that's I don't want to say it's a risk, but sometimes if you do stuff like that, it just leaves it so open, and it's just like all you're hearing is the bass. But here, I think it it just creates that mood where it's just sort of like very ethereal. I mean, as much as you can do that on a chip like this. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, you know, like, with the limitation
0: of the chip, you know, I think it takes a certain someone to be able to do something that is simple on a cymbal chip and still make it sound like if you were playing this on a piano you know something that would still have like a full body to it even though it it is you know three tones that you have to work with
1: yeah i think you the bass that you were mentioning with the, the bass with the noise was really prominent here and i thought it was really interesting that about halfway through the track they're doing this like tremolo or vibrato on the bass which you like You don't hear that very often, actually. It's kind of an unusual thing. A little unusual, but I think that he
0: pulls it off for this. I I think it it worked out well. Uh, Let's get into another track. This is from Stage 5. All right, that was from Stage Five, from yude Kun on the MSX2, composed by Manabu Saito. I love the urgency of that that track. It just, I, yeah. I love this one. This is great. I mean, at first, like the um, trill on, you know, it, it, it sounds a little bit like something. It, it sounds yeah. a little unclean, right? And I I think the complexity as it as it builds
1: is is pretty incredible. I've heard this soundtrack a few times now. And what's really interesting is it sounds like everything fits together, but all of the tracks are very distinct from each other. Like that sort of grunginess, you don't actually have that in much of the rest of the soundtrack. It's just like one or two tracks that tries to be aggressive intentionally. Right, right.
0: This game, a little bit more about it. We kind of talked about the gameplay. The graphics, I think, are top-notch. It uses the MSX2 hardware, so it's able to do a little bit more... Than um, you know what the MSX could do previously, and I think it takes great advantage of that. And I believe this seriously to me. Out of all the games that I've played on the MSX, this is probably one of the more polished and pretty looking games. I think it rivals anything we had ever seen on like the NES or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm a real I'm a really big fan of the uh, retro game challenge or you know Game Center CX games. Right, right, and right. right. There's these, some of the later games have this like vibrant look to them and they're like, wow, it's just like how the games look. And then you go back and most of them don't look like that. Yeah. This game looks like that. It's got just beautiful colors, well-defined sprites. It's it's just such a, it's such a joy. Like I was attracted to the game when it was first turned on. It was like, there's the, the SACOM logo, which is kind of brush stroke and then the game turns on. You have this like bright purple screen. It's like, ooh, I want to play this. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's very the colors pop. Yeah. In, in every
0: level, and uh, you know everything's very uh, well established, easy to see. Uh, the only thing that drives me nuts about about anything that it, the visual department on this game is that that first boss because the screen starts shaking, uh, and yeah. the, the the lower the boss's health gets, the screen starts like vibrating so, <laughs> yeah. so much like i i seriously had to like look away from the screen because it was making me like get a headache but uh ha- after you pass that it doesn't do it again so uh just make it through that first boss you'll be all right
1: yeah what's some something a little bit odd is this game has mini bosses and main bosses but right. they're oftentimes like just a few screens apart it's not like you have a boss <laughs> halfway in the it's stage. like it's like a pre-boss yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they'll be like right after another. and Other times they'll be a little bit more spread out. But there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, I think the the mini boss in the first level,
0: it looks like a giant eraser. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, he's like an easy kill. And then, like, the, I, I want to say it's like the next screen over. It's like the the main boss of that
1: level. It yeah. kind of cracks me up. You have like three more screens. And then you get to this wall and this, like, angry, like, Mouth. face is spewing enemies <laughs> and shaking at you. Oh, it's great. But uh, then after that, you get into this really kind of cool,
0: you know, vertical scrolling level. And this is like where it's auto scrolling. So you have to kind of like time things out and immediately the difficulty level ramps up. Oh, yeah. It gets really hard real fast. I mean, the first level is like, you know, anybody can get through it. But like as soon as you get to like level two, it's like, okay, you know put on the gloves yeah, the gloves you know? are off yeah it's, yeah
1: it's it's got a pretty cool visual style too you're, you're going down this chamber with like candles as obstacles and S- stuff on the wall like looks like little cabbages
0: yeah shooting out at you I don't know what that's all about and then you got like birds and like all sorts of stuff in there it's a challenge and the boss after that is it's like this giant snake Thing that you have to perfectly time out and uh it's like a
1: rock snake almost yeah it's
0: like a rock snake so uh, this game it, when it came out in japan <laughs> it uh so it came out on the mega rom which is a cartridge uh it was a two megabit cartridge for the msx2 and it was sold for 6800 yen so that's roughly you know roughly 70 bucks at the time but uh, another way it was distributed was, uh, it's kind of interesting. So this is something that I didn't really know much about. It's called the Takedo Machine. And it was like the software distribution machine that was made by Brother Industries in Japan. And what it did was it was a vending machine where you could buy like these blank cartridges or a floppy disk. And then you would take that floppy disk and put it into the other side of the machine. And you would select the game you wanted and it would write the ROM onto that cart. And that's how you could, you know, buy all your games if you wanted to do it that way.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think people talk about the Famicom disc system a lot for the music, but I, I believe it worked almost the same way. Right, 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 right. So in terms uh, of the actual mechanism of how you got the game, is on disc. Right. So it, the a, a lot of other systems were
0: supported by this. The PC-88, 98, the X1, um, the FM Towns. And a lot of other Japanese PCs made use of these Takedo machines. And I, I only kind of heard about them, like rewritable machines, like in, you know, some of my research digging up, but I'd never actually seen a picture of one. And I came across one um, online and I was like, wow, that's so, that's what they did. There's this huge, like, it, it kind of reminds me of. Um, what are, they, what are they called? Red box? Yeah. Now, like in front of like every 7-Eleven. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of like that, except you got to keep it. And you could reuse the cartridge, uh, but you would lose the old ROM. It would burn a new ROM to it. So this game was distributed by the Mega ROM, but you could also buy it in its disc form that way and play it on a on a floppy. So. It was like 30 years ago, and it still sounds so advanced. <laughs> I know. And it, to even get more advanced with it, what was kind of interesting to me is that it had an ISDN modem attached to it. So oh, wow. games that weren't actually installed on the system already, it would actually make a phone home, download that game, and then burn it. I mean, this is like
1: that would have been i would this have been like nineties. Like, yeah i would have been so wowed it's by like that black
0: magic back then man i would have been like what is going on here but uh no i i just thought that was pretty cool and uh they had a whole magazine and everything around it where you could like get a member or get a membership and get discounts and stuff like that anyways uh let's get into uh we were talking about the bosses earlier so let's play a track um this is the only boss music it plays during every boss but uh it's, it's kind of fun so let's take a listen
1: Theme from Yurei kun composed by Manabu Saito. It's a great track, but like I keep imagining that shaking screen and the, like, <laughs> so frustrating. Uh, cool, cool track though. Yeah, Very frantic. What's cool about that track is that the second part of it just really takes the ghost theme to the extreme. Yeah, it's really funny. But I love that one moment just before the repeats where they just like all of the music drops out for, like, a split second. That's right, so right, cool. right, right, yeah. I mean, the, the
0: the track is cool. I think that that first boss just kind of, like, spoiled it for me. But, like, other than
1: that, I, it's fun. Yeah, a lot of the bosses, especially if you know what you're doing, you can beat them probably before the song even loops. So it's actually – it's probably good that it's a pretty short track. Like, the first time you play a boss, you know, might be hearing it for a while, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the good thing is you get, like – I think
0: Infinite Continues. I think can, so. Yeah, you can keep trying – uh, until uh, And I think even if you get like a game over, you start from the beginning of the level. So they don't dump you
1: off at the title screen again, at least. So. Yeah, there are checkpoints in this game. It's not as cruel as it could be, especially for like a shooter-type game, which would always start you at the beginning of the level sometimes. Mm. So it's not too bad. I mean, it's, it's really fun and not super punishing, which it probably wouldn't be fun if it was. Yeah, yeah. It's just enough difficulty to be
0: fun and keep you wanting to play like i i got this next round this next one i i totally i'm gonna get it you lose again oh yeah but this one this yeah is i learned the boss pattern i think i got it this time and then like eight more tries and then you're like okay i think i got it this time. <laughs> anyways uh so that was the boss music let's listen to the last stage of the game stage seven and uh we'll be right
1: back Stage 7 from Yurei-kun, composed by Manabu Saito. Just like five different keys that goes through or oh, something. Oh, yeah. like, it, it really... It sounds so... Uh, it's a dangerous key change, I have to say. Like, y- yeah. Only advanced I, composers enter here. It, it sounds like it could go <laughs> bad, right? Like, he brings it home, but like... Th- there's a few points where you're like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like... I would say not many game music composers are going to do that in the middle of the track and, like, base an entire phrase off of it because it's like, you do it twice. It's like, what the hell is yeah, this?
0: Yeah, I know. And then just when you think you've heard a loop, like, twice already, then he goes into this little kind of twinkly deal and uh, jumps right back into the loop. But it's still such an odd track. I think this last level is, he's, he's really kind of, like, playing with the, the player, I guess. He's, you know, really messing with him mentally. So Yeah,
1: I mean, there's been... There's so many different tricks that, that music can use to to kind of get your mood. You know, it could be faster. It can be, you know, like really catchy melodies. But here it's just using more of like blues scales and the, the kind of the sour notes there to give you a little bit of like tension there that because it's a slow track. It's actually fairly it, slow. Yeah, it's really it's really toned down. Definitely
0: not my favorite track in the game, but very unique. And, yeah, and it doesn't and sound this,
1: anything like any of the other tracks. Yeah,
0: he's, he's doing something there. All right, so let's get actually into one more track. This is the staff role of the game. I, I love this track, so I think we should take a listen. What do you say? I say, let's do it. Let's do it. So, this is the staff role from Yuide Kun, composed by Manobu Saito. That was the staff role, composed by Manu Busaito for Yude Kun.
1: I have to say, he really knew how to write just really interesting contrasting sections. I mean, for as simple as the music is, and, and we've said that already, it's just, I love this track. <laughs> well, when you say contrasting sections, explain that. So, if you if you listen to that first part, it's just this very pleasant melody And then you have this B section, which is a little bit more. Like a dent. It's a little tense. It It has a little classical feel to me, actually. That third section just has a totally different feel from any of the other parts. And so, I don't know. As a person that composes occasionally and has (laughs) explored music quite a lot, it's very interesting to hear how much you can do with so little. Right. Well, you have a degree in music, so give give yourself a little bit of credit there.
0: Uh, but yeah, I, I do know what you mean. Like there is, and and this kind of might go hand in hand with it being a staff role, being able to have a little bit more freedom in changing, you know, completely changing mid song into something completely different because it might have you know the staff names and then show like some images and stuff like that. So you might have a little bit more freedom to um, to explore, I
1: guess maybe. Yeah, I watched. <laughs> I watched the playthrough of this, and I felt like I had triumphed just watching the thing. I was like, "Wow, this this tune is like I, I beat the game <laughs> like without having you know without suffering through like losing a hundred <laughs> times." It just is so upbeat. It really it I think it really sells the the staff role like you won kind of feeling. Right, right, right. Well, you know I do want to say
0: you know this game we've been talking about today. It's 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 a blast. It, we couldn't recommend it enough. I, I think that once you play it, the, you know, you listen to music, not everybody can really appreciate the simplicity, I think, sometimes of just PSG. But when you combine it with the game, it adds such a, this amazing aesthetic. The whole mood and everything that goes around it, I think, is what drew me in and had me keep playing. And, and honestly, I, I fell in love with this title. I think it's just a blast. It's one of the best games in my opinion and I've played a lot of MXX games this is uh one of my all-time favorite
1: yeah I have to say I I love retro games but sometimes it's hard to go back to games that you've never played but this to me felt almost like an instant classic like if I had grown up with this I would have such fond memories it, of they should have
0: had this on the NES oh
1: they yeah they really should have and we could have all enjoyed it it, it is a
0: perfect title for uh, I mean I think it would have been a huge hit it's in Japanese, but it really doesn't require any language skills at all. I think anybody can enjoy it. Now, the game actually got a sequel, in a sense. It's Yudekun 2. It's Tsuka Scenario, which is like additional scenario. And this, so, so there's something a little sketchy about this, because it came out on like a disc magazine, and you had to put in this special code, and then you could unlock the game. And it's an MSX DOS game. It doesn't look polished. It has System Sacom's logo pop up on the screen, but the game doesn't. It feels almost like like an older Atari game. It it's just doesn't have the same feeling. So I think this is probably some kind of like, you know, knockoff. You know, fan kind of knockoff or something like that. But it doesn't feel quite yeah. right. All the music is the original music too. There's nothing new.
1: I I that that right there tells me that there's something up because they. They pride themselves on their music, and they would have written something new for another game. And right. That, like, I was looking through their text adventures, and they all have unique soundtracks. And there's, you know, numerous games in the same series. It's weird that they would have like this kind of like prototype or beta floating around with the same soundtrack. Right. For
0: MSX DOS. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm calling BS on it, but you know, whatever. <laughs> there, we do have to mention that the existence of it, I guess. But anyways, today we talked about Yurekun on the MSX2 composed by Manabu Saito. If you want to know more about the show, you can find us online at pixelatedaudio.com for our show notes and the track list. We can also be found on Twitter at Pixelated Audio and Discord, and it's getting a
1: ton of traffic these days there's a lot of a lot of chatter going on and i can barely keep up yeah the discord channel when i first joined was uh, sort of quiet but nowadays it's like i'll see dozens of tracks and it's like whoa whoa slow down i can't listen to all this fast <laughs> enough
0: yeah there's a, a lot of really good uh, i mean if you're into um game audio i mean obviously you're listening to the show so <laughs> uh, join in join the discussion you know some you can lurk you can just pick out tracks and listen to them and stuff but uh join in the discussions. fun fun place for everybody to kind of get together in like one location and just chat video game music 24 7
1: yeah all different kinds you, you know there's no system that isn't represented really i've seen stuff like from arcades to you know weird obscure stuff to you know more, more mainstream consoles it's a really great collection of people right If you like the show and you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that's always
0: appreciated. A great way to help our show and to support it is to check out our Patreon. And if you go to patreon.com slash pixelated audio, you can find um, our page there. You can also find the link on our website and we invite you to check that out. Also, I want to give a big thanks to Gene for stepping up and joining in the episode today.
1: No, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, at first I wasn't sure and then the more I listened to the soundtrack and the you know, the more I sort of played through it a little bit, I'm like, this is really good. I, I, I gotta be on here on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, I'm gonna try to
0: get this show edited for, you know, release in, in a few hours and
1: <laughs>
0: We'll see how it turns out. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure you check out some of our past episodes. We just did an episode on Brain Lord for the Super Nintendo And it's like an action RPG dungeon crawler focuses on puzzles and stuff. It's a blast. Great soundtrack. So uh, go back and listen to that one. And then you can listen to an expansion pack we had Gene on about a few episodes ago. A lot of fun. We did Sega Genesis kind of expansion pack and just kind of talked about that together. It was a lot of fun.
1: Really nice cross-section of genres and styles and just representative of the Genesis. And I love the Brain Lord episode too. That was a great one. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, great soundtrack kind of Spoke for itself, I guess. Yeah, so as long as we're doing plugs, I wanted to mention two quick things. Please. Um, You know, so I'm a really big fan of, you know, paying respect and and tribute to a lot of these game composers. And, you know, when we have an episode like this where we're talking about a composer that's passed, I, you know, I, I like to give them a little bit of extra love. So... There's a an upcoming Digging in the Carts album coming out, which has a Manabu Saito track on right, it. Right, right. I did see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's called Digging in the Carts, a collection of pioneering Japanese video game music. And if you guys aren't familiar, Digging in the Carts is this you know, video series where they kind of talk to a lot of these composers that were really influential Uh, yeah it's completely free online I think Red Bull had it Red Bull TV or something like that it's very relevant to your interests if you're listening to the show it's like I mean you should have seen it by now yeah it's so good and the other one is uh, actually a podcast that I just discovered called Audio Panic Room episode 34 is just an entire episode dedicated to Manabu Saito it's a beautiful tribute a lot of a lot of really great music it's a nice cross section of his tracks from various systems it's about 45 minutes long, so you'll hear, you know, his output over the years. And, uh, I mean, if you like this episode, it covers FM and uh, FM Towns and MT-32. It's, 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 you know, a lot of more robust sound. Uh, it's a lot more robust sound generation than this one. So if you like his composition style, you know, it's nice to hear. We could have picked any of his oh, games totally. to
0: do for this episode, but we decided on this one. Because all of his stuff is incredible. So, yeah, definitely check out that episode of Audio Panic Room. It's more of an audio podcast. There's no dialogue, but you really get a good sense of... And it's like he generates some great playlists, and it's really enjoyable to listen to. All right, well, thank you guys so much for listening. The track taking us out today is the ending track of Kun composed by Manabu Saito. Thank you guys so much again, and we'll see you back in a few weeks for a special episode with... Not exactly a retro game, but I, I think it—I think it'll be a fun one to listen to. Retro enough. Retro enough. Yeah, <laughs> seventy years retro. Uh, anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. See you back in a few weeks.